Good morning, church. This morning, I felt so weak physically. And I was reminded of that scripture that God's power is perfected in our weakness. And there's some of you here today, you need to hear this. doesn't matter what you're going through. If you will just acknowledge God, acknowledge where you're at, you will see his power and his strength and his grace. All we need to do is turn to him. It's not good enough to be weak, but you just need to acknowledge your weakness before the Lord. And you will see his grace and his power and his strength. I'm going to do something that I'm, I'm just obeying the senior pastor here, our senior pastor. I'd delight to do it, but I didn't want to make it all about me and my family. But uh, Muruti Sa said I should uh, introduce James and Amy, my son and, and his girl. So won't you just stand up, please? You guys are so obedient. Let me tell you about an incredible story. 1882, 11 Italian men and one teenager left where they were in Italy, traveled to America, lived and slept on the floors in New York until they found a job in upstate Pennsylvania. And it was a hard job. It was working in a quarry, cutting stone. They eventually called for their women and children and... And eventually they built a town. They were from a place called Rosetta Vallaforte. And they called this new place that they were living in Rosetta. That was 1882 when it first started. In 1961, this place, Rosetta, stood out as an incredible outlier. You can read in the book by Malcolm Gladwell. He wrote Blink and Tipping Point and David and Goliath. Some of these. What a great secular author. And he spoke about this incredible anomaly, this outlier. It was very unusual, this town. In this town of Rosetta, there's no suicide. And all the normal maladies of alcoholism and drug addiction and unemployment, they didn't exist. The death rate was lower in, in all categories. And for men over 65, it was 50% lower. It was so unusual that there were more widowers than widows, which is... Absolutely rare. And so this man, Dr. Stuart Wolf, he started to do a research project, and they've carried on researching this town for the last 50 years. It's changed, and the stats have changed because the heart of it changed. But at that stage, they started to research and said, what is unusual about this town? And they looked at the genetics, and they said, is it because they're all Italian from a certain place, and maybe that's why? They looked at their cousins and you know, distant nephews back in the original Rosetta, and they found it wasn't genetics. They looked at the diet, and these men were drinking. They weren't on the Mediterranean diet. They were cooking with lard. They were smoking stogies. So it wasn't their diet. It wasn't their way of life. They weren't exercising. In fact, they were working in quarries. You'd think they would be dying because of the dust and what was in their lungs. And it wasn't the geography because they looked at the, town around, the towns around there, Bangor and other towns in, in Pennsylvania. The conclusion that they came to, these are secular researchers, the only thing they could ascribe it to was a priest that came, ministered the gospel to that town, and the whole town was centered around Jesus Christ. 
and they lived in a Christ-centered community. That was the only thing that these secular authors could ascribe to it, was the way they lived in community with the church at the center, and they got all these benefits. Today, I want to talk to you about the church, and maybe you've been hurt by the church. Maybe you've got a great experience. Maybe you've got a very negative experience. I'm trusting that God will bring healing to your heart. I'm also, by the grace of God, going to step on your toes today. And there's a couple of toes I want to stand on very particular. The one is an extreme Western mindset where it's all about me. Now, there's many aspects of the Western mindset that are great, but there's some that aren't. And I also want to step on a community mindset that is wrong. And that is when our community is based on race or gender or class. Because this is not the will of God. So when we talk about the church, there's a myth that goes out there, and, and, and this is a myth, that the church is something that I go to. And church is an event. And it's an organization. And that it's for my benefit. And if it's not good for me, then I'm out, I'm out of here. The truth of it is, the church is about deep tissue relationships. It's about a relationship with the Father and it's a relationship with each other. And it's something that you belong to. I don't go to church. I am the church. And although it's organized, it should be organized. Sorry where we're not organized. <laughs> it's organic. And first and foremost, it's for Jesus. But the amazing thing is, as we make Jesus first, blessings and grace and, and wonderful things come to us. So if you're here today... You're probably in three categories. The one is you're a visitor, and that's fantastic. So glad to have you. Another category is you, you're all in, and you're experiencing the life and the joy of, of community, church community. Fantastic. But, but maybe you're in, you're in the middle category of you're starting to experience more of God, or you've experienced God for a long time, but you're not knitted into community for whatever reasons. You're busy. You've been hurt. You're cynical, you're skeptical. Will you allow the Lord to touch you today? Will you allow his word to challenge you and change the way you see things? Because the last two weeks we looked at the fact that you're important to God and that he loves you and he wants you and he wants to love you and he wants you to love him back. But the next thing he wants for you is that you be added to family. I don't know about your family, um, and I don't want to put shade on my family, <laughs> but when Jesus called his disciples, he called one Simon the Zealot who was a freedom fighter, he called Matthew the tax collector who was a sellout to the Roman system, he called some sophisticated city dwellers, and he, and he called some rough, rough fishermen from Galilee, and he said, Come follow me. And as you follow me, you will be in fellowship with one another. Aish. <laughs> you know, every Sunday when I'm here, I look at the miracle of us building multiculturally. And across economic barriers and across gender barriers. And, and you know what? It's to God's glory. And 
Imagine the world was only full of green and blue people. And we decided to make a church for green and blue people, not just have green churches, not just blue churches. You know what would happen? The blue people would find it a bit too green, and the green people would find it a bit too blue. But it would be something glorious. Purple for Jesus. Amen. (laughs) So I'm going to look at four metaphors today about what it is to be part of God's family and what this means. And the first thing I want to talk about, the first metaphor, is that we are family. And it's in God's family that our identity is lived out. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. As we embrace the Father and as he gives us identity, it's fabulous and it's amazing. But that identity is meant to be lived out with one another. You cannot say you love God whom you have not seen, says in John, but hate your brother whom you have seen. And we are called to live with one another as family. And it is so good for us. When I recommitted my life to Christ at the end of my trick, I was very broken And I was very arrogant, like a deadly combination, (laughs) because you can't even get help. And God added me into a community, a youth group. And as I looked at this youth group, this was the deep judgment in my heart. It was like, are these supposed to be my people? (laughs) These are not cool kids. (laughs) And yet, God had called me to live my life out with them. And you know, it was the very, very, very best thing I could have ever asked for. It's fantastic that you experience Jesus as you read the word and as you pray by yourself. But we're not meant to live out our identity by ourselves. We live it out in family. I'm so grateful for for Nicola and five or six men in my life who help me and walk with me. And all of you, we live as family together. And this is what God has for you. Will you allow the word of God to challenge you and allow you to overcome your hurts or your skepticism or your cynicism and be added into family? Secondly, and the second metaphor, is that of God's temple. And it is, it's in God's temple that we support it and we support others. Look at what the word says. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You know, there's, a, there's some stuff that happens only when we gather together in unity. We together form God's temple. And as we come together, then his presence and his blessing and his favor comes even as burnt stones, even as people with histories, we've made mistakes and we've messed up, but we get added as burnt stones to another and we become something glorious. I was walking this morning and uh, about two roads from my house and there was a building site and you could see part of the building coming up and I also saw bricks and pipes and wire and stuff in the rubble. And I was just thinking, 
if this stuff isn't added to the building, it's going to be rubbish forever. When we went to Israel, our tour guide said to us, you see these stones here lying in the ground, just lying? In Hebrew, we call them dead stones. You see these stones in this building? They are living stones because they've been added in. Will you allow yourself to be added in? To become a living stone that you are supported and you support others? I cannot tell you how many marriages have been saved, how many businesses have been helped, how many lives and souls have been transformed through one another, through people standing with one another and being stones one to another, supporting each other. This is what we invite you to. This is what Jesus invites you to, that you be added to his temple, and then he's pleased to dwell in our midst. The third image is that of God's flock. Now, I grew up on a plot in Bedford View, and uh, we had donkeys, and we had goats, and for a very short season, we had a sheep. So I don't have a lot of experience with sheep in the plural, but one sheep. Now, let me tell you, if I, if I look at those three together, the sheep are the most stupid, the sheep are the most likely to get sick, the sheep are the most likely to get lost, the sheep are the most likely to get taken out. I mean, the sheep are just the vulnerable ones, and yet Jesus calls us sheep. <laughs> Did I insult you? No, maybe Jesus insulted you. <laughs> But it's a metaphor that, that we are God's flock. Yeah. And it's in the flock as we come together for sustenance and protection and direction that we prosper. Yeah. There are wolves out there that are after you. And God wants to knit you into the flock. And it's a place of joy and blessing. And can you give up some of your Western individualism? Or can you give up your other community and be added to what the Bible talks about, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people? And whether you are Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, we are meant to become one together in Christ. And we're meant to be for his glory, that people say, what is this about you? That here you are, you're so different, but you do this to the glory of God. Can we be God's flock? Last image, although I do give you one more at the end, a bonus one. In Christ's body, I discover and express the unique gifts that I've been, been entrusted with. It's fantastic that you go out there into the world and you serve in the community on school governing bodies and public benefit organizations and NPOs, that's awesome. It is so good that you get out there into the workplace and advance the kingdom there. But you know what? There's a part that has to be done in the body of Christ. There's an expression of your gifts that must be seen in the body. What does it say in Romans? For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, 
and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to each other. Just turn to the person next to you and say, we belong to each other. But if they're a married woman and you're a singer... Maybe this is the start of something wonderful. <laughs> we belong to each other. Your gift is not just for you and for you to make money and to, and to look great. Your gift is to be a blessing. I was reading about the snowflake man and, um, in the 19th century, and he found a way to photograph snowflakes. He ended up dying in a snowstorm, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> So he was on this mission to take snowflakes, and he finally found a way of doing it with these old archaic cameras. He would capture it on a black velvet cushion and then quickly take a photograph of it. And before he died from pneumonia, from being in the snow, <laughs> he had photographed 5,000 snowflakes. 5,000. And you know what he found? Every snowflake was different. Now, how much more are we different? And our giftings and our talents. And if you don't bring your talent to the party, to the body, you know what happens? We're just poorer. Don't be this more Calvin than Calvin. God will provide. No, you know what God does? God provides through you and me. God provides through each other. I'm sure there's things that um, you notice as being part of, the, being part of this church. Areas maybe of improvement, depending on how your mind works. Well done on noticing. But you know what's really well done? If you don't just notice, but you bring your gift and talent and help make us better. And help make us better. So in Galatians 6, it says the following, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Be a blessing to the whole world. And then note this. It says, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So be a blessing out there. But we've got to choose to be a blessing in the body. And you know what? Scripture makes it very clear. There's the church universal that everybody's given their heart to Jesus, who's passed on or is still alive. There's the church in the city and how God looks at things from a citywide church. But then there's the local church. And if you're a visitor, I say it again, great to have you. And if you're knitted in, fantastic. But if you're in that middle ground of like the permanent visitor, <laughs> just lift up your hand. No, don't lift up your hand. <laughs> just fall on your feet, fall on your knees. No, don't do that. Will you allow God to knit you in? We'll be richer because you give what you've got. And you will find joy. There'll be a blessing for you. And there'll be a blessing through you. Our Father gives us identity. But we live it out in family. In God's temple, we are supported. And we support others. And and you know what, we, we so often see scriptural verses that we claim for ourselves, but the very context of them was community. Like, the gates of hell will not stand against two. It's a church, okay? There are some verses that we can only claim in community. As we the temple, that we can claim those verses. 
Can we acknowledge that we're a bit sheepish at times? Sometimes we get sick and sometimes we need help and sometimes we get lost. And I'm so grateful for Nicola and the men in my life who help me. And it's in Christ's body that we discover and express the unique gifts that have been given to us. Last illustration. The Ark of the Covenant. Looks a bit like Indiana Jones, I know. But remember the Ark of the Covenant. In the Ark of the Covenant were the Ten Commandments. There was Aaron's rod. There was... It was the manna, beautiful, overlaid with gold, the place of God's dwelling place. Wherever the ark went, there was victory. And yet, what was the ark made with? This twisted, knotty, difficult, bent wood that had to be chopped and then fitted together and filed and sanded together. So maybe you've been rubbed up the wrong way by your fellow piece of acacia wood. But what God wants us to, to be is to be knitted together. And then you know what he does? He pours his gold over it. And then we become something for his glory. We become something that his presence is pleased to dwell in. We become a place of, of joy and life. Can we bow our heads and pray together, please? I want us to pray together. I'm not going to ask you to lift up your hand or, or stand. But if you are in that middle group of, of not being connected into community, know this, God is appealing to you. He loves you. He wants relationship with you. But as he calls you to him, he also calls you into fellowship with his body. And if you've been hurt, would you forgive just as God has forgiven you. If you've been hurt by the church, we are so sorry. But don't stay in that place of hurt. If you're on the outside, if you're skeptical, can you bring your heart before the Lord? Father, bring every heart that is in that middle place of neither visitor nor connected in. I pray for healing. I pray for transformation. I pray for a new perspective. Father God, I pray, Lord God, that a decision would be made by every heart today in that place to commit themselves to the body, to the temple, to the flock, to the family. Lord, your grace and mercy do not leave us as we are, but change us, Lord God, and add us into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. I thank you.